Hi, this is Ross Fisher from P-Cubed Podcasting. So in a special outside broadcast event, I am now here at the Ikigai Conference in, well, I'm in a place called Versailles, which is in Kentucky. Uh, you and I might call it Versailles, but there we go. We're in Versailles. And I'm privileged to be with the powers of podcasting that are uh, EM over easy. I'll let the gentlemen introduce themselves. On my left, we have... Andy Little. And on my right... Drew Kellner. So if you don't know these guys, you need to, and I will put a link to everything that they do in the show notes. But having been interviewed for their show, what I thought would be nice is to get back on the podcasting horse, as I am literally under a mile away from Kentucky racecourses, and start to understand what other people think about the concept of improving presentations, and in particularly the P-cubed approach. So, these guys are looking worried because I'm asking them questions rather than me, them asking me. So we'll start with Andy. Mm -hmm. Why, Andy, do you think presentations generally are so bad? I think it's something that we spend a lot of time building these outlines. I still remember my first couple talks as a resident in a medical school that I built this really, really long outline. And then I just put that on some slides and thought that that was okay. And I said, well, there'll be some words up there. And I won't say, I'll say more than what's on the slide, but what's on the slide is going to help, you know, guide the learner to where I'm going. And it just got... To me, we, I got lazy. It was easy for me just to make these outlines that were literally, and I still remember the, one of the first ones I gave, it was stemming after cardiac arrest, and then it was, here's the, the bullet points you have to do. You need to call your cardiologist. You need, to, you need to cool the patient. Decide if they need heparin. Is this a TPA candidate? It was easier just to make bullet points because okay. it made so, me lazy. Drew, as a recipient of that, well-planned out, well-meaning, and someone who's taken time and effort, was that effective learning? Absolutely not. We've all been to this presentation probably multiple times throughout our, our lives and our career that the majority of that is spent reading the slide, spending very little attention to the person presenting those slides, especially if it's a lot of text in bullet point fashion, and then walking away having retained essentially nothing from either the talk or the slides that we just read. So... As mature learners, and I do think there's a difference between mature learners and those who are uh, exposed to this day in, day out, why do we put up with that knowing that it doesn't work? I think a large portion of why we put up with it is that majority of learners don't know anything else. Mm -hmm. This is what they have had for the last decade of their life. And this is what comes natural. We've become complacent with adult education in multiple formats. So as a presenter, Andy, if you had done that, would you have been comfortable with the results of your work? You know, initially I was. It was like the expectations in front of me were to give some objectives to our coordinator so she could get see me for those that attended. And that was what, that's what the expectation was, was to get up and give that talk. And I think that's really important because what I say, and it's patronizing, I accept, but we aspire to the level of mediocrity around us. Mm -hmm. So we want to do what we see other people do, whether that's clinically or uh, in terms of education. And if we do that, we perceive it must be effective. So going back to that presentation, what feedback did you get on that style and value of presentation? And I think that's part of the problem, too, is that the feedback I got from learners was it was okay. It's something that they can. And, and to me, it was okay because it was an okay presentation them to get on their phone. Okay, so let's go back to our learner. You would probably be one of those people who perceived it to be okay, but inside you knew that it wasn't. So 
how do we get to that situation where I think lots of people recognize that presentations as they are delivered don't work, but virtually no one has stood up and said, thank you for your presentation. I received nothing from that. It was educationally invalid and you have wasted my time, which is what we think. Absolutely what we think. And the issue is this has permeated every level of presentation. So it's medical school, it's residency, and then you went to a national conference and the speaker may have been better. Maybe the speaker was more dynamic. The information was better, but the slide behind them was exactly the same as it was in residency, as it was in medical school. And it has permeated all levels of perceived excellence. Uh, this is where I talk about the Times New Roman Center Justified Microsoft Blue Wave. It's the same the world over. So, Andy, how did you, why did you, when did you start to make a step, a change to become different? You, you tell a story of somebody whose slide deck turned off, and we happen to have one of our pastoral care provider come in and give a talk about end-of-life conversations, and it wasn't on her jump drive. And so rather than give us an hour of, I'm sure, 90 slides that she had prepared, she just told the stories of four families that she was in the present of the room for, and she gave two bad examples and two good examples and just talked. And I literally sat there, and I was blown away by the fact that without slides, she gave the most impactful talk I'd been to as a resident. Okay, and Drew, life has changed for you. How did you have your Damascene moment? I think my, my moment, my aha moment, was finally being at a presentation that was something more, and I felt emotionally connected to the presentation. And when you feel emotion, you then begin to learn because you can associate the knowledge that you're receiving with the emotion that you are feeling. And in many ways, is not that different from listening to podcasts. And I was talking about this with some people the other day that I listen to a lot of medical podcasts and other podcasts, and I will be teaching with residents, and I can actually tell them what I was doing when I listened to this segment of a podcast with the knowledge I had. I was cleaning the windows in my son's room. I was mowing the lawn. I was painting my bedroom this color this year because there's an emotional response to it and I'm more immersed in the experience. Okay. So coming back to that question about emotion, some people say education is not emotional. Science is not emotional. We should not use emotion as a way of learning. How would you respond to that? I think that's being very short-sighted, particularly in medicine, because medicine is incredibly emotional what we do every day, whether it is emergency medicine, whether it is pediatric surgery, is drawing on our heartstrings. That's how we experience life on a day-to-day -day basis. Why should we not learn under that same environment? Because if we are not learning how we practice, then we are not practicing as well as we can. Okay, so Andy, you are clearly not now just giving presentations with no supportive media. So what did you do to start improving? I reached out to some of our faculty that I thought gave better talks, and they pointed me to a book called Presentation Zen that I thought was a good place to start. And that whole book, if you were to get it, it kind of breaks down the idea of a presentation where it focuses on appropriate fonts, colors, again, plays on the emotions of things that we enjoy to see. So if you enjoy looking at the slides, they're aesthetically nice, you will learn from them. And then I went from there and I just trial by fire. I added it a little bit here and a little bit there to where now, as, as Drew mentioned, um, I recently gave a talk at a national conference where my objective slide had more words in that entire slide than the rest of my 30-minute talk. Okay. And Drew, how have you made your changes? I think my changes come from wanting the focus of the audience to be on the slide to the focus of the audience being on me. 
And I can tell when I'm giving a presentation if I have hit the things that you speak of. I have realized what the audience needs, who the audience is, and created a talk that appeals to them and touches them is they're paying attention to me. And the media behind me then augments the message that I'm delivering. It allows them to reset to the next message, the next point, the next part of the story that's being told and tell a story through my voice and through images that augment and support the voice and the story that I'm telling. Okay, so we understand that presentations as they are currently delivered by the majority of people fail that there needs to be a change and that these two gentlemen have discovered for their own reasons different ways of doing things. And it's encouraging to me that it's not about me. It's about the elder from your church. It's about an experience that you have in doing things in a different way. And whilst I offer a single way forward because I'm only one person, this is not something simply about fashion but is based in psychological evidence and is perceived to be effective. So, do you think your different method of presentation, Andy, is more effective than it used to be? It's an easy answer, and it's yes. I had the opportunity to give a talk to our residents about a w two weeks ago, and it was interesting. I had given talks before, but I had never gotten the feedback that I got from that. And then it was also great because of what I said that was impactful, that it, it directly affected residents' care of patients, that then they looped back and said, that presentation you gave two weeks ago, I remembered when I was in that situation. Okay, and Drew? I'll say yes in a different way, which is, if, if you'll allow me, we work with residents as they're giving presentations in our program. And something I have done when I am assigned a resident for a presentation is ask them to be very well prepared and to give me their slide deck, their presentation, at least a week in advance so that I can go through it. And oftentimes it is the traditional bullet point horrible presentation and I will offer to them thank you you've put a lot of work into getting the information out there I will give you two choices choice number one is I will take your outline and I will make a presentation of my own based on your outline that I will deliver and you can watch what you envisioned your presentation to be versus what I did or you can take my critique of your presentation and attempt to make a better presentation now I have yet to have somebody take me up on the offer for me to give the presentation, which is incredibly heartwarming that my residents are dedicated enough that they want to advance themselves. At the end of the day, is their presentation what I would have given? Absolutely not. But it is a much better product than what they originally gave me. And the feedback from them to me is, thank you so much for pushing me beyond my comfort level and making me give a better talk. Is there room to grow? Absolutely. I have a lot of room to grow, as do my residents and, and the other learners that I'm working with. But to make that start to flip that switch to begin the process of being better is, is huge. Okay, so that's very valuable. When I cover presentations, why I originally started, I did a workshop and got people to uh, change their presentations at the end of the workshop. And I was hugely disappointed that they had not dramatically changed and become amazing. And that taught me so much that presentation skills are a journey and that in the same way my surgical skills are not those at which I started with and these gentlemen as emergency physicians have progressed so presentation skills are a journey too 
and that we mustn't be put off by people we see at SMAC conferences or ASAP like Haney or uh, either of these two gentlemen or somebody like um, Swami who just overwhelm us with their excellence. That education is a journey and that it is a skill that we need to learn. I think for the audience, it's been a real privilege having these two gentlemen share with us the idea that they both recognize that presentations as experienced by so many of us don't work and that there needs to be a better way and that that way is individual and that with that change, we can improve education because actually that's what this is all about. It's not about doing it my way or Gar Reynolds' way or anyone's way, but about being more effective educators and sharing information and knowledge so that ultimately patients get better care. So thank you to Andy and to Drew for their input. Um, and I think to Andy for the editing of this. This has been P-Cubed Podcasting in Versailles, Kentucky. Thanks for listening. <laughs>